I thought I sent Tara this song and see what she does. And she turned it into something magnificent. And it's the first piece too lost to be found. The thing that I'm fascinated about this kind of bands like, you know, television, Jet Sex Pistols as well, it was the attitude they put into that. That attitude, I think it's important to keep. That's because it keeps the music extremely spontaneous eventually. I, be I do believe, you know, like my mum used to believe, that that music is classical music especially uh, and and studying an instrument it's very important everybody that i know had more or less this feeling of like what am i doing now you know like what, why why would i go on to what i do it, it felt so unnecessary <laughs> the, the the art the music in general but then it turned back to be extremely necessary Welcome back to the Artidote podcast. I'm Vasek Armenikos, your host. My guest today is Italian pianist Federico Albanese, or as one magazine called him, the piano poet. All of the art is a web of inspirations, and that web of inspirations is clearly visible in what Federico creates. His previous album, By the Deep Sea, was inspired by a poem written by Lord Byron. This July, he is releasing a collaborative EP with Tara Nom Doyle, which is called The Moments We Keep, inspired by Virginia Woolf's writings. I had the privilege to sit down with Federico and talk about his inspirations from Sex Pistols, Federico Fellini and Virginia Woolf to the meaning of music in our modern world and what it was it like to be a musician during the pandemic. Federico's and Tara's EP is already out on all streaming platforms. You can find all the links in the description and I hope you'll enjoy listening to this interview. Thank you so much, uh, Federico, for coming. I would like this interview to be about inspirations and what what inspires you and what keeps you creating. I've discovered you and the, from your the, the latest album, not the soundtrack, the in the blue sea and i've read somewhere that you got inspired by byron and he's one of my favorite poets i really wanted to meet you to ask some questions about your inspiration and how you got into into music i would like to ask you my first question would be can you tell a little bit about yourself where you grew up how did you encounter music can you remember was there a special moment for you oh yeah um um, that's a good question. No, yes, of course. Uh, I mean, um, I grew up in, you know, I grew up in a pretty simple worker family in Milan. And I was born in 1982 and um, I was living in, in, in a central area of Milan, but very, it was very, um, it was called, the, the, this like, this neighborhood was called the island. And it was, it was, it was not such a cool place to live back then. It was very, it's kind of, it was poor, you know, it was like popular, so to say. And, you know, working class people were living there. And <clears throat> so I, I didn't really grow up with any fanciness of like, of potential, of me potentially becoming uh, an artist or anything like that. You know, my, my family were, were, were workers, you know. 
and uh, and uh, but my mother had a she was convinced that a musical education somehow would help growing up a child you know would would be something that would be important for the develop, development of 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 a character of of a person you know? she was convinced mm -hmm. by that and without really having any background in music or anything you know so but but then so she would always take me when i was very little to to theater to see uh, the orchestra playing and and every sunday we would go to uh, this kind of like church where they were doing uh, or auditorium close to a church close by where they were doing the orchestra there was an orchestra they were doing rehearsals that it was open for the public to go and 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 see them perform and so i was doing that and then when i was uh when I was like at my kindergarten age, I was spending afternoons. There was a shop in close by uh, my where I was living, in the same area. There was a shop that was run by an old guy, and it was an antique instrument shop. So there was a lot of old pianos, cembalos, antique instruments, right? And this guy was was keeping the kids of a neighborhood. And uh, in the afternoon or in the morning, you know, instead of going to kindergarten, and uh, so I spent a lot of time, a lot of time there, and you know, surrounded by this this music basically. And then uh, this guy, remember, my mother always tells me this story that this guy told her at some point that I should study music because I had a good year. He he thought that I had a good year, you know. So my mother took that advice, I think, for granted, and and then I started uh, studying piano, you know, theory and piano. I was going not at the conservatory, but like a, some kind of sub subsidiary school uh, of the conservatory in the afternoons or after school, <clears throat> and um, and I started studying theory, a lot of theory, and uh, and then and then piano, and I and went on for. For quite a while until I was a teenager, basically, and then I sort of, uh, I guess, you know, my interest then switched into into something different, you know, music-wise. You know, I was more triggered by different genres of music, not classical at all. I was more into punk rock and 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 indie rock music, and you know, the early Nirvanas and you know, the '90s Radiohead and so on. So I pursued, I started pursuing another path musically, you know, I was playing bass and then I was fascinated by jazz music. My dad was a big jazz music fan and we had a lot of jazz records and he once, I, I remember, I think I was my 14th birthday, something like that. He gave me uh, a clarinet for my birthday. Two things, a clarinet and a ticket to to go and, and see a Green Day concert. <laughs> Two different things. So, you know, and so, but, and then I, start, I started studying privately clarinet as well with this private instructor in Milan. And I, I went on to that for a couple of years and then I, I stopped and then I started to study bass with the, with the bass teacher. And, uh, you know, it was always connected with jazz. You know, I, I had an interest into 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 jazz music in general after studying clarinet so i but i wanted to explore bass but then eventually i end up playing in in rock bands and and pop rock bands bass rather than rather than jazz so but then i went to normal high school you know i've, I've been to uh, i studied uh, 
then I went to university. I studied literature for a few years. Then I changed and I started philosophy for for another few years. But I never really finished university. And music was always there. You know, it was always it accompanied me throughout my whole life, basically. You know, so in the end, what I came up with uh, is that what I'm doing now it's somehow a you know a, a sum of all my musical experience and passion that I had throughout my life. I wonder what uh, posters did you have on your wall when you were growing up? Who were who were on the walls of Federico Albanese? Oh, well, Nirvana for sure. Uh, for a very long time I was, you know, a massive fan of Nirvana, Sex Pistols, so all the the 77 punk from from the UK and uh, Beatles obviously the uh, you know Led Zeppelin the Who television uh, Marky Moon I think I still have like a like a poster of 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 uh, television playing playing live and never see them obviously I mean never went to 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 see them never had the chance but uh, I was a big fan of that like progressive music basically you know music that was touching boundaries somehow you know as the Nirvana did they the television and, and 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 all that kind of stuff. I wonder if it wasn't music, what do you think would be more uh, attractive art form for you? I see some brushes behind you with some paints. Um, I wonder what would be uh, the other art form that you would express if music wasn't there for you. Well, that's like you know that mainly belongs to my partner. She's a she's a painter. But all, uh, but um, no. so yes, but but I also do paint myself sometimes and do sketches and things. But I, I don't think that visual art was, uh, you know, was ever be. I mean, I'm I'm very passionate about it. I love it, but I don't think and I am uh, that that is my my way to express. You know, I don't think I have enough instrument to be able to express what I would like to express uh, with art in general. So I'm. You know, I found music as my vehicle to 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 express certain kind of things. You know, uh, it allows me to to reach like a deeper deeper level, and 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 uh, so so if you know, I I don't know. I guess if I would not have been a musician, I probably would have done something completely different. I have other passions that are not related to art: poetry, philosophy, poetry, philosophy, uh, cooking. I really love cooking and I love, uh, you know, everything that's connected with food and wine and all that stuff. So, and somehow it connects as well with, with um, my musical adventures in a way. Do you remember that moment when you realized that you can express the deeper feelings uh, via music in contrast to the other forms of art? That moment when you realized that it is through music that you would like to express your soul. Uh, was there a part- particular period of life, or even maybe a moment? Well, not necessarily. I mean, I, I just, I, I don't know. It was, it was a slow process. You know, it's, it was a slow process of, of realization, so to say. You know, I realized that over the years by doing it that I was able to, you know, process my own feeling in a certain way. You know, I was never there to say there was not a moment when I said, "Okay, now I know that I that via, you know, through music, I can I can do so I can express certain feelings, you know, I can describe certain emotions. It was more like a like a 
ongoing process that that eventually led me on to understand that the music is the vehicle that I sub not not consciously but subconsciously chosen to um, exercise the experience you know what happens and and throughout all my life basically and 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 it's all you know it's like a timeline you know like everything that I write that I produce that I release it's specifically connected with a certain period or moment in which I was, uh, you know, I was a certain person doing certain things. I've read somewhere that uh, you cannot just sit uh, in in your room and in a week write a write a piece. You don't you use music as kind of uh, exorcism of your feelings. And I wonder how how does that happen? So, for example, if you are going through a certain feeling, certain period of your life, and you try to express it. What's what is it like? Is it uh, a prolonged months-long journey where you sample different sounds? Um, is it connected to the instruments? Um, uh, what what the process is like? If you can describe, but it's very difficult. I think it, it, it is. Um, I don't know. There is some kind of alchemy, you know. There is some kind of magic that that happens. Sometimes I just sit down and and I play something, and that something refers to something. Uh, in my head, but I don't even know what it is specifically, you know, and maybe I find out later. I think there's some kind of, I don't know, there's some kind of magic that happens, you know, that it's very difficult to describe, you know, but, you know, the 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 the, the, the thing is like, sometimes, you know, you try to express something with words, for instance, poetry, right? Poets have Byron, or, you know, many other, Dylan Thomas, T.S. Eliot, like people that I love, uh, they have the power to be able to express certain things with words, right? And that they're basically fulfilling that specific emotion, use combining words together. That's their magic gift, you know? And I do not possess that, but uh, I have, I found, I found out that if I play some notes in a certain way, they trigger some kind of emotion to me personally, you know? Then I'm, uh, you know, I'm also flattered and happy that they trigger some kind of emotion also in the audience and in other people. But it's um, it's very much difficult to to explain it with words, you know. And that's also why, um, after all, I have I have decided to to move on with music, you know, because you don't need words to to uh, to express certain things. I don't remember who exactly said uh, that uh, talking about music is like dancing about architecture. You know, it's uh, it's Im impossible to describe music in words. You have to feel it. You have to listen it. How do you think your music evolved over time? What what was was there a change from eight years ago of what you were creating? Has anything changed for you? I mean, you mean on a technical level? I think like people who are interested in music are, uh, there are people who are interested in on the technical side. Of course, I think also with your inner eye, with your vision, it's like maybe you've noticed some changes in you, like in comparison to yourself from 10 years ago. It's a double question. When I started to make piano composition, I had no expectation whatsoever. I had no knowledge of of the world of contemporary music, you know, like I didn't know 
what's what, what was going on out there. You know, I wasn't aware much. It was just a spontaneous uh, act of. It was just like you know, I, I was just sitting there and just recording these pieces without expectation, without even thinking about releasing them or making an album. And and then and then the whole thing started. And then I started to think about. And then the, the turning point for me personally was when I recorded when I did By the Deep Sea, so the album you're referring to. Because with the first record, The Output and the Moon, The Blue Hour, I was more uh, like trying to describe specific things outside of myself. Uh, so explore a certain con- concept, you know. So in a way I was, you can call it, I was hiding behind a concept to and describing that with music as a painter would paint a a, a field or a, a person while when i did the body deep sea i realized i realized all that process led me to to understand that that i needed that i needed music to to exercise and to process my own life and my own feeling that 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 what changed for me that was a big change because there I realized that you know it was it was okay and I was and I was confident enough to be able to put myself more uh, my feelings my way more into the music rather than hiding rather than hiding rather than just doing a concept album right that was a turning point if I have to you know describe it rationally and 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 you know along the way there was also a technical development. So at the beginning, I only had like a very small uh, antique tape recorder from German tape recorder to I record the whole first album with, uh, and a two input small sound card and and a PC la- laptop, and not much, not many gears at all. I was just me in a, in a living room doing that. And then, you know, moving on, I, you know, I've learned many things. I learned, I, I learned skills about mixing. I learned uh, that I need a certain microphone, that I need a certain piece of gear to, to do a certain thing. So let's say that it was a process that led me to, uh, to be more aware of what I was doing, you know. It's very difficult to describe the process of the uh, emotional and uh, evolution inside you in words, but that's one of the most interesting sides of the artist. So that's why I wanted to focus this interview on on kind of inspirations. And you said you mentioned the uh, Sex Pistols Nirvana when you were uh, growing up as a teenager. Who are uh, who replaced? Sex Pistols and Nirvana today. Are, Are there, there uh, other artists? Nobody, other no, no, artists? No, one, no one can replace that. So. It's what stays in our childhood, kind of. It stays kind of. there. I mean, I'm always... I have children now as well, you know, and, and I always... We make playlists together and I'm happy to have them listen to that kind of music, you know, because, I mean, at the end, it was my history, you know, it was my, it was, it was, just, you know, the, it, the, the, mo- the most important thing, the thing that I'm fascinated about these kind of bands, like, you know, television, sex pieces as well, or, or others, it was the attitude they put into things, you know, it's not, it's not about the music so much itself, or, you know, the environment, the punk rock, the drugs, the, you know, the being, the being, you know, over the top of everything, you know, it was just the attitude that that attitude. That I think it's important to keep. That's because it keeps the music extremely spontaneous. Eventually, you know, so that's what I'm trying to sort of transcribe 
and translate also into the world of modern classical music, you know, trying that to be, to also that have that, I'm not saying rock and roll, but I'm sort of that, that kind of um, more let go sort of attitude, you know, not to, not keep it, not, not take yourself too seriously, you know, just try to do your thing your way without being pretentious, you know, I think they, without even knowing these people back in the day, they really teach a lot in the musical world, I believe. I wanted to ask you about the modern classical music as a as a term, but you mentioned about uh, that you're a parent right now, and you mentioned that your mom uh, thought that it would be important for you to um, to be in music, and uh, w w how did that shape your attitude to kind of to parenting? Do you um, you were kind of lucky? Your mom thought that you'll be good at music, and you discovered that yes music is your form of expression uh, what about when it comes to you as a parent how do you uh, want kind of uh, help your own kids to discover their um, artistic expression their way of looking at the world yeah 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 partly yeah i mean you know it's it's difficult of course i will i will try to uh, do my best to you know to lead my kids to be in, in the right path, you know, and that's, and that's, and, 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 you know, I know the musical word, so I'm going to help them uh, understand that for sure. But then in the end, they will be deciding what they want to do, you know, and I just have to be there to support them somehow. I believe, I do believe, you know, like my mom used to believe uh, that, that music is classical music, especially, okay, at the beginning uh, and, and studying an instrument, it's very important. It's very important because I believe it gives you a method, a system, you know, and that's what I think uh, it's it's good for 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 a child to grow up with, you know, and and it's also beautiful, you know, being able as a kid to play piano is, is a beautiful thing. I will support them, you know, whatever whatever they want to go, whatever they want to do, you know. Every every form of expression eventually it's 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 important because I mean you don't even know it but again it helps you to exercise and process your life somehow. It's uh, it's interesting because like my um, uh, my parents uh, also uh, when I was growing up they focused on classical music and they I, I was playing violin uh, for for a while but like it wasn't my form of expression in con contrast to you um, so it's but I'm still thankful that. That my taste in music was shaped by the fact that I was first introduced to classical music, and then I also was kind. Of, I was growing up in the '90s and early '90s. Yeah. yeah, it resonates a lot uh, with you. And that, well, as I said, like I would like to ask you about modern classical yeah, music. I interviewed Martin Kostet a couple of months ago. Oh, Martin, yeah, and very nice chap. I know yeah, him. he's an uh, excellent, uh, excellent musician and excellent uh, person. And um, I asked him the same question, um, kind of about modern classical music. And I wanted to hear it from you because although you are in the same category, your music is very different. It's, uh, but they are both labeled as modern classical music. How would you describe what is modern classical music? You know, when 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 something goes out in the market, it has to be categorized somehow, right? This is mm -hmm. like this is a market law. You know, this you have to label it in a way. You know, and and I you know I don't mind it. You know, like I don't I'm not there to judge whether they call it neoclassic, modern classic, instrumental, twenty twenty first century music. 
you know, it's all good to me, honestly. You know, I'm not there for uh, to decide this kind of thing and to define this kind of thing. First of all, you know, like I just write music, and to me, it's instrumental. You know, post classical music in the sense that you know it is triggered and and from 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 an instrument that is uh, universally considered as a classical instrument, so the piano. But but the music itself doesn't have much of classical to me, if you ask me, in terms of like the way it's composed. It's way similar to pop music than than to classical, you know. But it is. You know, the, the, the term that's been coined, modern classic, neoclassic, and so on, it is, it defines the fact that you are a man or a woman on, a, on sitting on a piano doing music with it, you know? So I think it defines that. I know that it's not classical what I do. I'm not a classically trained pianist. There are classically trained pianists out there they can and we're very lucky to have them because then we can have them play Chopin and we can hear you know Bach and 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 very very complex piano composition made very long time ago that otherwise we wouldn't be able to hear if there was not these people so this is the classical core classical and classical pianist I'm not a classical pianist I'm just a musician that ended up playing piano and composing. It is kind of uh, interesting how those labels are created from the perspective of other people. But like from the perspective of the musicians, it's a bit different. Yeah, I mean, it's different only because, I mean, it, it, it is obvious that like the streaming platform and all, all that that is happening nowadays with this type of piano music, it's, 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 it's very difficult to understand. It's, it's a big pot that... It's quite unclear, um, but yeah. But I, I repeat, in the end, like it's market that decides and label things. You know, unfortunately, it's the way it is. You know, and I there's no reason to disagree or agree with it. It's just, it's just like that. Before we continue to the part where Federico will tell about working with Tara and their new EP, I would like to tell you that a part of this interview will be available in a video format on my YouTube channel, which you can subscribe to by following the link in the description of this episode. I would also like to say that I've added all the tracks from Federico's EP to my classical playlist on Spotify, which you can also find in the description. I would like to thank you all for all your support and for listening to Artidote podcast. And let's continue with the rest of the interview. I've read in one of your interviews, I think from 2018, you said about that you wanted to compose music for films and one of your latest releases before we'll go to the EP that is coming out soon. Uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, uh, y- about what was it like to compose for a film, especially that you um, you said like that you always wanted to. Is, was the process any different? Well, yeah, very, very, very different. Uh, writing writing for a movie, it's uh, it's it's a completely different thing. First of all, because you pledge for someone else's idea, so not for your own idea. So you don't the input it's coming from somewhere outside. No, it's not coming from you. 
and mm. and 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 this is it can be amazing because you can you can inspire you know you have an external topic that you did not know about at all and then maybe you get interest into it and you are able to exp you know to experiment into that world that you didn't know so uh, it's a very interesting feeling you know uh, so that's the main difference basically you know you're trying to elevate somebody else's work and not your own thing it's uh, and you have to be very discreet you know like it's uh, music in, mov in movies it, it, it's, it's a complicated matter because you don't want to overdo it's like uh, sometimes you know there are films out there that have no music at all and they and, they, and, and it was a choice not to and it was a brave choice because also silence is uh, musical in a way, you know. It it, it triggered some, some some kind of emotion, and um, so it's a very different diff diff different process um, overall. It's very it's equally interesting by like making a movie, and if it's an interesting film, it's a good film, and it's a, an interesting topic that you can pledge yourself into as as an artist then I think it's a great thing to do. It's, uh, it's, it's powerful. How did you decide to kind of get involved in creating a soundtrack to, to that film? Was it because you found it interesting as well? And why, why do you have a second question is like, why is this passion for film music particularly? Uh, well, in that, that's, you're referring on the 12, right? Yes, yes. yes. So yeah, the 12, no, I was, I was particularly intrigued by, by the story of these 12 elders. And I... And I was imagining really, uh, I, you know, I really digged into it. Even musically, I, I tried to to compose themes for each one of these 12 elders and try to, to kind of like, you know, to describe them with music. It was a very, very uh, beautiful process, you know. And, and uh, so I was doing also researches, for instance, on what kind of instrument that comes from Botswana, where these two elders are coming from. And what, what, what kind of music do they play there? What kind of like tribal music do they have and all that kind of stuff. So it was a lot of research as well, which was beautiful. Yeah. So, you, you know, you write basically there is there is a visual story and then there is a musical story. So my my aim was to try to write, compose a musical journey, musical story, you know, as well that you can listen and you can imagine these people. About the second question, yeah, I'm, I'm in general, I, I love film. I, it's, it's always been a big passion of me. Uh, I love, uh, I love movies, you know, and love soundtracks and, and always have uh, my entire life. So, yeah, matching these two words for me, it's like one of us, my greatest passion, uh, the two, my, two of my greatest passion coming together, music and cinema. So if there's, if I, if there's a way that I can, Put them together to me is uh, is is the best that can happen. Favorite uh, favorite directors of uh, or maybe perhaps favorite films. Ah uh, well, no, this is the list is too long. Now. It's like yes, it's it's, di it's difficult to say to tell you now what it is my best the best movie I've ever seen because it, there's too many. There's really too many. Do you have favorite directors? Perhaps it's a bit easier question because director is much broader, you know, like it's hard to pinpoint a single 
favorite book, you know, like it's well, yes, it's hard say, to say. Okay, there okay. are so many. Yes, yes. Okay, let's say directors. Then I will go from the Italian. So definitely uh, Federico Fellini, uh, Lucchino Visconti, and Pierpaolo Pasolini for sure. And then I will move to the U.S. Going to Stanley Kubrick for sure, and more recently Terence Malick, especially the first films he did, like The Thin Red Line and and uh, Garden of Heaven and Michael Cimino. Uh, fantastic the deer hunter one of the best maybe that's one of the best films ever made then moving through the years kim kidak for sure no more more parchanak parchanuk the kim kidak i would say the south korean and um at the moment this is what comes to my mind i recently watched uh, i'm watching um a lot of movies about this new greek guy called um georgios lantimos and he did I heard, yes, recently yeah. a film called The Lobster, which I found very, very, very good. And also The Favorite, which is his latest one, which is also very, very beautiful. So, Are favorite films correlated with the favorite soundtracks uh, or it's completely two separate things? You know, like you might like the soundtrack to the film and not particularly like the film itself you know is uh you know, ah, no, that's uh, difficult that's there a correlation no i wouldn't i think that that's uh it's connected with it like a good movie with a bad soundtrack doesn't really exist and vice versa you know it doesn't ex- a, a bad movie with a good soundtrack as well it's impossible it's like you know it's like having a bad actor in the film you know <laughs> the film won't work if it's a bad actor right and the music is the same. It's part of the theme. It's part of the the whole the whole structure of of a project, you know. So all the the directors that I've mentioned, they have beautiful soundtracks. I mean, sometimes there are like you know amazing, amazing soundtrack and a good film, right? And it, it sometimes it is, but it's very rare. Usually, when there's a great soundtrack, it's also a great. That's movie. an excellent comparison. That's an excellent comparison. A good, a very good film with a good scenario, good soundtrack, but with bad actors cannot be a good film. Exactly. Right? You know, it's I mean, take the same other way. Yeah, take Apocalypse Now, which is an extraordinary movie, extraordinary soundtrack. Take Malvon Brando out of the game, it ain't gonna be the same thing, right? I would like to talk about the upcoming release. I know that it is inspired by Virginia Woolf. Could you please tell a little bit overview of what is this new EP uh, going to be like? What is it? Uh, what is it about? What? Well, first of all, this is was this is a collaboration EP. So it's me with a singer songwriter from Germany slash Norway slash Ireland called Tara Nome Doyle. And uh, it's four songs that we wrote together, basically. You know, I wrote the music and then she she uh, wrote the lyric and the melody on top of, of you know, of the, the vocal melody. And um, it all started in, um, it was January this year where, when I received, uh, you know, a, a call asking whether I was interested in making a song with her, just one song. And uh, I said, yes, why not? And I happened to have one piece there that it was part of the recording. Uh, it was part of the recording sessions for my new album, which would be out, uh, would be released next year. And But I left it out from the final uh, songs because I felt it wasn't resolving. It wasn't, it wasn't going anywhere. So I thought I sent 
Tara this song and see what she does. And she turned it into something magnificent. And it's the first piece to Lost to be found, which is already uh, out. And so I was, I was literally blown away. I remember when I, she sent me, I sent the song and after a couple of hours, she sent it back to me with a demo that she just did on the phone or something or very rough. And I thought it was incredible. And uh, so we produced the piece. We, we finished it. We, we mixed it and everything. And then I thought to myself, I mean, we should do more. So we, so we started to, you know, get together, you know, hang out in studio, you know, brainstorm. What, what can we do? And I had a, a, another song and then I wrote another piece of music and I sent it to her. It was this ongoing process. And then, uh, you know, we came to the conclusion that we might have enough material to make an EP together. And, and then we, we started to think about what we, how, you know, what, what do we want to communicate with this? And, and we found the conclusion that I, I suggested Tara to, to, to read um, a series of books of uh, Virginia Woolf because I thought that she, because Virginia Woolf has this series which is called The Moments of Being, which are... Uh, it's a very interesting um, um, subject that it's about, um, you know, you know that sometimes there are there, there are specific moments in life where we're not able to 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 live them properly, right? And so uh, we must find a way to kind of hold that hold these moments in time to to be able to to enjoy them even more maybe in the future or to take them as reference for future experiences, no? And that's what we came across, you know, and, 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 and it was exactly like that. It was, it was a, a super spontaneous collaboration. We never had to force each other to do anything. And, you know, we just wanted to keep these moments we spent together writing this music, keep them in time, keep them forever. And that's why it's called The Moments We Keep because these four songs are the moments that Tara and I are keeping uh, of this time that we have worked together. Basically. Throughout this interview, like there are several words that come up uh, all the time. It's uh, spontaneity that is very important and uh, moments that you kind of try to capture the time and overall the theme is um, kind of poetry of the world and your inspirations, it's uh, all revolving around those kind of three words and that's uh, th that's what I found personally find in your music uh, very inspiring person to me you know there is these underlying patterns of musical poetry in it um, and what was it like during this really difficult and strange times for for you as a musician how did you uh, cope with pandemic how did it affect you in general and in music as well it was very strange. It was, it was, it was absurd. I mean, it was obviously like, yeah, it was absurd. You know, on a personal level, I was shocked creatively as well, the beginning of it. And I, I was not able to write music or do anything, anything that was artistic at all. Because I was feeling that the, it was wrongfully, probably wrongfully, but I was feeling that the last thing a word needed at that point was somebody writing music. So I, I, I had a very big creative drop, so to say. <clears throat> But then, you know, I uh, I was writing, I was, I was in the process also writing my, my new album, which will be released next year. You know? My new record will be rolling around the concept of memory, 
But then this pandemic happened and everything stopped somehow. I didn't know anymore what I was doing, what I wanted to do. And also, I mean, it was challenging for me as, as a parent and for us as a family to get through this, you know, when you have two small children. It, it, was, it was a challenge. It was a challenge on, on many, many, many levels, like in life, in, in work, in, 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 you know, in the creative process. Everything was jeopardized in a way. But then after a certain point, I sort of like realized that, that what I was working on, this idea that I was having before this whole pandemic happened, to try to take memories and hold them in time and keep them in, in, in there, uh, was even more important now, somehow. It became even more important because of this pandemic, because of what happened, because of our life being changed so much. And, mm-hmm. and that gave me, gave me a big, you know, I, I, I kind of like went back into writing and composing and I, I had so much inspiration and so much creative power. And uh, and I started writing and writing so much music and you know I had a really huge collapsing fall and and then I went back up basically naturally and it was a very strange feeling but also made me realize a lot of things. That's uh, really interesting because you say that you express your feelings through music and I was interested how did you express your feelings when such a strange thing as a pandemic happens you know and i wondered wondered as an artist you know who expresses the feelings how does it affect you it was very strange and i had a lot of talks with also my friends musicians everybody that i know had more or less this feeling of like what am i doing now you know like what why why would i go on to what i do you know uh, mm. it, it felt so unnecessary <laughs> the, the the art the music in general but then it turned back to be extremely necessary you know even more now because you know me i realize even more now how music how art it's important especially in the moments like this in terms of hope in terms of hope it can guide people it can you know it can any form of art is an expression of a certain moment in time and a certain emotion and feelings you know so it's a way to exercise as an artist and as audience same thing so it's important that all of us that are that have this goal in life to make art and have made this choice to be artists are in a way we have the duty to try to create beauty you know and to try to see beauty and 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 craft it as much as we can you know for other people to enjoy even more in, in a times like this. And it is different. It's one thing uh, when art gives you hope and strength and another thing when certain types of art uh, just act as a distraction, um, you know, from reality. Do you think, like, there is uh, this balance between making people forget what's happening in contrast to giving them hope by art? Do you think there is, there, it is always a combination of those two or do you think those two things are always separate? No, I think it's, uh, you're right. It's a combination of the two, you know, like music, it holds, it's also like a, a way to escape reality, of course. And, and I do pledge for that. I mean, I do use it sometimes. I mean, 
uh, as well when you cannot sleep or when you can, uh, you know, or when you just want to fade away for a moment and you put a particular record on to, you know, to travel a little bit for, for, for a while. And but it's a combination of the both. I mean, at the same time, okay, yes, it can distract you, but it can also give meaning to to to, the, to that specific moment by even distracting you. You know. Um, how did the live music, live concerts affect you? You are in Berlin right now, and uh, what's the situation like? Any plans for live concerts um is it important for you well it is essential not important it's it's the fuel that makes me wake up in the morning and go back to sleep at night i mean live music for me i've been growing up i grew up as a as a touring artist so i've been touring pretty much non-stop for years and years you know like on and off, obviously, but touring was always playing shows and engage with the audience was always one of my priorities uh, in my artistic path. And the fact that it's not there anymore at the moment, it's a big struggle. But, you know, I'm hopeful and I think that things will be, you know, shaping back to normal slowly. I would really like to see you live. I was very, I was very lucky to see, as we mentioned, uh, Martin Colstead, uh right before the pandemic it started. So I was very lucky. So I would, uh, I would really like to see you live. Uh, I'm in London. So, uh, but uh, hopefully, like if it is in Berlin, I hope uh, I would really love to visit Berlin and see you live. Uh, we talked a lot about the inspirations, and you mentioned music, you mentioned films. Um, I would like to ask you about books. What are you currently reading? What uh, What are the books that um, surprised you, impressed you recently? Well, I'm reading. Uh, I mean, I actually mainly read poetry. Because it really distract, you know, it really it, it is something that helps me relax. And at the moment, I'm reading an American contemporary poet called John Ashbery, which is and I, there is a big book, a collection of poems, and I think it's extraordinary. I think everybody should read this guy. And and uh, so at the moment, I'm reading him and specific this uh, series of of books that uh, and of like you know. Po poems together, basically wrapped up in a collection. What exactly interests you? What themes are uh, attracting you to? Um... I believe. I mean, my personal opinion is that he he he's like the natural consequence of like the beat generation, basically. You know, so mm -hmm. which is like all people that that and, and artists and poets that I that I that I admire and love, and he is the natural consequence. Of it. Like you know, it's the. Like the XTC are the natural sons of the Beatles, you know. Like he's is the consequence of what was happening before, and uh, and that's all very interesting in the first place. But then also the way he describes reality, the way he he, he put himself into it, the way he's cynical, but uh, but not too cynical, but uh, very very incredible vocabulary, which is also something that it's stunning for me as a non. English mother language speaker, uh, I, I always like to try to find something challenging to read, you know, and mm -hmm. and and I find that poetry to be extraordinary in that direct in that in that field as well because you will learn so many words you didn't know before, you know. So it's like you know, and poetry like the John Ashbery now this collection is a pretty big book, 
it's accompanying me since months now and I'm always reading it and taking inspiration also for song titles or, you know, there's an idea behind the song that I cannot find the word and sometimes there are words there that are more powerful that I can engage with better or that I can connect with and so as a non-native English speaker I can relate uh, that you know learning uh, new words through poetry is uh, is fascinating and I assume Virginia Woolf would be let's say second book out of three that you would um, that you would kind of recommend I yes assume. absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. especially the lighthouse as you know and, and all the moments of being uh, serious uh, definitely, you know, Virginia Woolf is extraordinary. I mean, the life she had, and, you know, the way she, you know, expressed reality and struggle. It's quite, quite an example. Thank you so much, Federico. It was, it was I had so many questions to you. And, no your, and uh, your EP with Tara comes out July. I think the date was... It's here. the 2nd of July. Uh -huh. There will be the third song, the fourth song along with the whole EP release. And on the 11th of June, so next Friday, we're going to have the uh, third single, which is called Waiting to the Riverside. Cannot wait to listen to it. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Once again, thank you, Federico, and, and uh, all the good luck with the future concerts and, uh, and the album that you are working on. Thank you very much, my friend. And I, I, if everything goes back to normal, I'll be for sure playing a show in London next year. And you'll be certainly my guest. I hope you enjoyed listening to this interview. Federico's and Tara's new EP, The Moments We Keep, is available on all streaming platforms. I'll add a link to the Spotify in the description of this episode. I would like to thank Federico's team and Federico himself for their time and coming to our Tito podcast. And I would like to thank Ilya Rogachevsky, who mastered this episode. I'm Vasek Armenikos, the host of Artidote Podcast, and I'll see you in the next episode.